Welcome back, guys. So, evolution of an HVAC business. This has been a series that has been dear to my heart because I'm learning here as a new business owner, and I'm helping, I'm trying to help you guys learn what I have learned through this process so you guys can also learn, and it helps you out a little bit too. So what I want to talk about on this particular episode is utilizing or leveraging other people's customers to stay busy when you first start your business in the first year or two years until you develop your own customer base that keeps coming back. Now, it might sound shady off the top, utilizing someone else's customers. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to explain to you exactly what that means and how I have leveraged that situation to stay busy in between uh, jobs that I'm doing for my own customers. So stay tuned, guys. This podcast series is sponsored by Jobber. It is a CRM tool that I'm using to build and grow McCready HVAC and refrigeration services. Now, Jobber is a CRM. Obviously, we can schedule, we can invoice, we can quote, uh, we can do a bunch of stuff with it. There's one feature that I've been deep diving into lately, and it pertains to this podcast topic, is when you go into your customer, uh, your customer profiles, you can pick a customer and you can add multiple sites, multiple addresses. So for instance, one customer I'm doing work with right now and actually leveraging their customers to keep myself busy, I'm doing multiple sites. We can go in and we can add multiple sites under one customer. And then when we're billing out, we can pick that site for the invoice. But the main invoice goes to the billing address, which is the main customer account. So pretty cool. Uh, We can utilize different addresses and different sites under one customer heading. If you guys are interested, check out their 14-day free trial. And I'll have a link here at the bottom of the, the podcast summary for you guys to check out for some savings. So how would we utilize someone else's customers to stay busy? Well, if you've been under a rock, you probably haven't noticed there's a complete lack of skilled trades, good skilled trades workers out there. A lot have been retiring, not enough have come into the trade to take over. And there's a bit of a gap between the new, the new and, and the, the older generation. There's a bit of a, a skilled trades gap there. Now, because of this gap, there are companies that are struggling to find technicians and good people, like people in general, good technicians are, are even harder to find. Okay, so they still have the same amount of clientele, if not more, but they have less staff to handle that clientele. So what's happening is that companies are getting behind. And this is not just one company I've spoken to about this. This is several, several companies, commercial, residential. They're getting behind in their work and they're getting behind on their maintenances because they don't have enough people to keep up with the amount of work they have. So I kind of envisioned this a little bit last year and I, I seen, I seen an opportunity to help out these companies that have a lack of skilled trades workers to kind of ease their pain. And that vision has come to fruition with three or four different companies now. And, and the, and, and the, the key word here, or the, the secret to this is subcontracting subcontracting this is how it's done so if a if a company has let's say they've got a hundred percent workload right they can fulfill the workload with their techs they have but let's say now they've got 110 115 120 percent workload and now they can't fulfill right their customers are getting upset because it's taking a long time to get there 
belts are breaking because we're not doing maintenance, filters are not getting changed, uh, service calls for a plugged up filter broken belt does not look good on the company. So they're, they're noticing this and saying, hey, we need some help. And this doesn't happen for an individual just like that. You don't just go out on your own, snap your fingers and go, oh, I'm going to call all these companies and, and figure out if they need help or not. Well, if you're lucky, maybe, but realistically, you need to develop a network. So let's say in five years from now, you're thinking about going on your own. Let's say that's your goal, right? Let's say you're 25 years old, 26 years old, and in five years, you want to be out on your own. Well, first, you need to create a solid network, right? Of other other company owners and, and other people, managers, other techs that work in companies, because that network is going to help leverage leverage the subcontracting idea when it comes time for you to try to pull the trigger on it. <clears throat> the other thing that you're going to want to do is make sure people know that you're capable, you're skilled, the work you do is good. And how else would you, how would you let people know that your work is good? The way I've done that is through social media, right? I've tried to teach. I've tried to show, uh, problems I found and ways to get around it, solutions, I've showed some install work that I've done and tried to do as, as best as you possibly can on these jobs and show them off to people. Not like you're showing off, like, look what I did today. Like, just show people that you're capable, willing, uh, you're skilled, and you you want to do some good work. So creating that network and showing that network that you're capable is really something that you need to start doing now if your goal is the future. If you want to go on your own tomorrow, I mean, maybe you've already got a network. Maybe you know some some friends that are in companies that are swamped. Maybe you can talk to them and get an introduction to their boss and say, hey, listen, I have an idea. How about I help you guys out when you're when you're too busy? Okay. This is not this is not a new concept, a new idea. People have been subbing, at least that that I know of, for, for a while. Um and the company I worked for prior, a lot of times it would be sheet metal. We'd sub out sheet metal work because none of us were licensed sheet metal technicians or sheet metal mechanics. We were, we were refrigeration and gas, gas fitters, right? So we would sub out a lot of sheet metal, larger sheet metal jobs to, if it was just a re and re of a rooftop or something like that, no, obviously not. But if it's a large sheet metal job, large scale job, we would sub it out. So this has been happening for a while, but on the service side, that's kind of a new concept. Subbing out someone on the service side is new because we don't, we've never had this since I've been in the industry. We've never had this gap in skilled trades. We've never had this lack of workers and this over, um, I guess our, our schedules overpacked or, or, or packed with, with this much work that needs to get done and we can't do it. So this is a good concept if you're willing to try it out, if you're willing to create that network, if you're willing to meet other company owners, other company managers, other company techs, and let them know that you're willing to help. It may not happen right away for you. I mean, before I went on my own, I had discussions with three to five different companies about doing this, right? So it was leading up to it. So it's like, hey guys, in six months, I've made the decision, I'm going on my own. Is there any way we can work together 
if you have an overflow of work that I can, you can sub me out. Hey man, I'll go change a compressor. I'll change a heat exchanger. I'll do service calls, whatever it is, whatever it is you guys need me to do. And we'll, we'll work out, we'll work something out, right? Now, when I say work something out, there's a lot of things that are intertwined there, but make sure that you get paid. Make sure you're charging your hourly rate. You're charging your truck charge, things out of your van. I listened to uh, a book recently. I've, I've listened to some of it. I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. In this next segment of this podcast, I'll stop and, and I'll get to that book for you. But what the, the guy said is the customer pays for everything. And then you put your markup on what you want to make on that job, right? So let's say your your expenses for gas is a hundred bucks. Let's say you use some stuff out of your van. Okay. Make sure the customer pays for that. Make sure you're charging your hourly rate, but also the stuff you're using out of your van, make sure there's, there's a bit of a markup on it, right? That you're charging out. So you're not losing, you're not losing any money. You don't want to go buy a box of screws for 50 bucks. And then over the course of time, use three, four screws, three, four screws, three, four screws. And at the end, you're not charging for those screws that you're using and then be out 50 bucks at the end. You're, oh, I'm out of screws and I wasn't charging for these screws. Make sure that you're, you're doing that, right? Just because you're subbing for someone and helping them out doesn't mean you don't charge them properly. Okay, so I got that book title for you guys. It's called The Seven Power Contractor by Al Levy. Now, I've been listening to that book. I haven't gotten through it all. A lot of it's kind of uh, repetitive to other books that, I, that I've listened to about building up a good contracting business. But it's still got some good points. And one of the good points is I, I said to you is a customer pays for everything. Do not pay for anything out of your own pocket at the end of the job. At the end of the job, the customer pays for everything and then you make your profit that you want to make on that. Right? But something I got to bring up, it's very, very important, is just because you're doing some sub work for other people, everything's going hunky-dory, everything's awesome, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And what I mean by that is don't rely on them for work. While you're working for those other companies, while you're subcontracting, build your own customer base. We've talked about ways we can do this. Facebook ads, word of mouth, uh, awesome SEO through, through your website. Build your own customer base because eventually you want to transition off and deal with your own customers, not someone else's customers, Right. But it's good to do in the beginning because it brings in kind of the cash flow. And commercial, commercial. Let, let's say it's commercial um, or let's say you're billing the, it doesn't matter, residential or commercial. Let, let's say that. It doesn't matter, residential or commercial. You're going to be billing not a homeowner or not a building manager. You're going to be building that, billing that company that sends you there. So what I urge you to do is before you get into it, negotiate payment terms. Say, listen, when I invoice you, I would like you to cut a check right away and send it to me. Or better yet, when I invoice you, I'll call you up, you give me your credit card number over the phone and I charge you that way. Because the last thing you want to do when you're starting off on your own is waiting for that money to come in. So negotiate payment terms that are in your favor. You're doing them a favor, remember, you're helping them out. So negotiate payment terms that's in your favor. By getting paid quickly. I want to talk about one more advantage of doing work for other people's customers as a subcontractor. Now, think about this. On-call is is part of the trade, yeah, and it sucks. 
If you're doing work for other people's customers, at the end of the day, generally speaking, that company is going to have their own on-call person. So let's say you're at a building or a bunch of homes or something like that for, for this particular company and, and helping them out, right? Well, if a call comes in after hours or the weekend, their on-call person will be responding to that, not you. If it was your own customer, you'd have to respond to it. But these are not your customers. You're subbing out, right? Unless you've made some sort of a deal where you you've agreed to help on call because you're working with them, right? Or it was something you worked on like three hours prior and your name's written all over it and it's down after you just worked on it, then it could be a bit of a different story, right? But generalizing it, that company's on-call people should be taking care of the on-call after hours. That's just another advantage. So we've gone through some things here and owning a new business, yeah, it's going to be tough. Try to create these networks, ahead of time, six months, years, whatever it is, start now and create networks, show that you're skilled, show you good, you, you do good work and show that you're, you're proud of your work. Right. And then before you kind of fly out on your own, hit the ground running with sort of deals or negotiations that you've made prior. So the day that you go out on your own, you have some companies that are potentially lined up to use you as a subcontractor, right? And like I said, you probably won't be on call for these companies doing after hours work. You're just helping them out and bill accordingly and negotiate some good payment terms to get your money quick. Cash flow is king, especially in a new business. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you gained something from it. Uh, there's going to be more to come. Stay tuned. Happy HVACing.